Hello and welcome to the Locked On Canucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Justin Morissette and this is your Locked On Canucks for Tuesday, October 8th. And uh, you know what? The 22 minutes, 24, however long this show is, seems to just fly right by because I had all sorts of things that I wanted to talk about coming out of Saturday's game, the 3-0 loss to the Calgary Flames that I couldn't even touch on in yesterday's show. So I guess why don't we start there? A couple other things to touch on as well. Line's kind of going into a blender today in practice as we prepare for tomorrow's home opener Wednesday night against the Los Angeles Kings, the Kings who I thought were going to be a, a bit of a an easy victory for the Canucks on their opening night. Perhaps not the case, given the spirit that they showed in Calgary this evening. But then again, maybe that will be the case as they're coming off having played a game the night before. We'll talk about that a little bit later, of course. But just a couple more stray thoughts from Saturday's uh, loss at the hands of the Calgary Flames. Again, I don't want to act like the sky is falling here or that you, people should be sounding alarms or or you know uh, panicking at this stage of the year. We're two games in. Two games is two games. It doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot right now. And one of the things that I talked about last week at length before the season even started was that the Canucks, given what they went through over the course of the preseason, are going to be in a kind of an elongated preseason mode here in the early stage of the season as they try to work out the kinks and find what works for them, particularly among their forward core. And that's kind of exactly what we've seen play out so far. Not a great game uh, from anybody outside of that second line, as I mentioned yesterday, of Pearson, Horvat, and Miller. But that's a line that is not going to be together for the home opener tomorrow night. And uh, we'll see if that is the best call in the end. But Travis Green looking for some chemistry here, electing to shake things up. The big thing, though, is that he is keeping Adam Gaudet as his third-line center. And if you want the team to have some extra scoring punch, that is a great thing to hear because, man, I am getting all kinds of uh, flashbacks to watching watching Adam Goddett play right now, the way he is playing, with the work ethic that he is showing, and just the fact that he is efforting and putting in a consistent, solid, uh, you know, work ethic to be a noticeable guy out there who's really going for it on each and every shift. The Canucks do not have a ton of those guys right now. Um, they don't, you know, I don't want to say that people are coasting necessarily, but it, there aren't a ton of guys that you can point to and say, well, this guy's working really hard. This guy's trying night in and night out. And, you know, granted, night in and night out is just two nights so far. But in Adam Goddard's one game that he's played, he had a very, very noticeable uh, work ethic. And, and, I know we all hate efforting as a verb and the way that NHL coaches throw it around, but I don't know how else to describe what Adam Gaudet is doing right now and, and the kind of effort that he is putting in because that guy is efforting. He is working hard to stay on this team. He wants to cement his spot in the lineup. And on a team that honestly has had trouble scoring early in the season, it's a good thing for the Canucks to, of course, have him be in a position where he can add a little extra scoring punch down their lineup on the third line, certainly something that Brandon Sutter has not been known to do in all of his years in this city. But what I was driving at is the fact that when you watch a guy play the way that Goddad is playing right now, it reminds me so much 
I mean, you'd have to go back now a good 14 years to make the comparison, but I'm going to do it to watching Ryan Kessler in his rookie season in the 05-06 Canucks campaign, playing on a team full of, I don't want to say aging veterans necessarily, because that West Coast Express line was not necessarily you know that old, especially for that time in hockey, but uh, that was a team that kind of floated and thought that they could get by on talent and skill alone because they had been one of the most skilled top six units in the entire NHL over the course of the last couple seasons heading into that year. You could really see the difference between the guys who thought that it would come to them easy as far as skill players are concerned, and I'm pointing the finger square at Marcus Nasland and Todd Bertuzzi, I guess, when I say that, and a guy like Ryan Kessler who had the hunger of a rookie who wanted to come in and prove his worth and steal a spot from somebody. Look, you're not going to be handed anything in this league when you're a young player. Otherwise, you know, we'd be watching Nikolai Goldobin probably playing with this team still. You have to go out there and earn it, and right now, Adam Gaudet is doing his best to do exactly that, and I would imagine he's making a good many fans as well. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's got a good number of fans already, people in this city who are pulling for him to blossom into what we all hoped that he could turn into, but... I mean, there's other people who, over the course of the the last several years, in the media anyways, have looked at what this guy is and said, pump the brakes. We don't know exactly what this player is. You should not be cementing a guy like that as your third-line center when he's completely unproven at the NHL level and certainly coming out of last year hadn't uh, acquitted himself well at all got thrown into an injury plagued situation on a uh you know a, let's just call it what it is a bad roster that the Canucks were icing certainly down the stretch last year and he did not show all too well granted a difficult situation to be sure he's put in the work this summer he wants to steal that spot and he's done everything that he's needed to do to do just that Travis Green speaks glowingly of him as a player his skill set his work ethic and everything that he's done he's gotten held up as an example all through training camp of what the young guys should be trying to do to make this team make difficult decisions all preseason long he was held up as the star pupil of this program and and look, he's not going anywhere. Maybe, maybe he will when Antoine Roussel comes off uh, injured reserve and you have to move a body out and there's one guy in Gaudette who can easily clear waivers and go down without having to get rid of anyone. But I, I think he's making the case to stay all season long and it would be hard to remove him from the lineup the way he is playing at this point. Just, uh, you know, a lot of flashbacks to Ryan Kessler who... You know, it's not a popular opinion now to say Ryan Kessler is one of my favorite Canucks of all time, but certainly at that time, from 05 through to 2012, he absolutely was one of those guys for me, and the reason was he stuck out like a sore thumb in a good way in his rookie campaign as somebody who was going out there and giving it everything he had night in and night out in a very refreshing uh, kind of way on a team where you didn't have guys who put in that kind of effort. Now, that was an aging team, and Kessler was a, a rookie. That Adam Gaudet, I'm not even sure if he classifies as a rookie any longer given the amount of games that he played last year, but that's neither here nor there. He is a young guy on a team full of young guys, and you hope, 
You hope, anyways, that a work ethic like that will rub off on the rest of his teammates because, look, I mean, it already has kind of affected Jake Vertanen. Vertanen had himself a strong game on Saturday night against the Flames as well. Uh, Might not be rewarded for it by staying in the lineup for the home opener, but there might be some other reasons behind that as we head into Wednesday's game against the Kings. Uh, Vertanen, I thought, played quite well, and even Travis Green agreed with that, singled him out as somebody who performed very well in Calgary, not just in the post-game comments, but in his media availability on Tuesday afternoon as well. Seemed very pleased with Jake's game. It's the off-ice stuff with Jake that the team might not be too popular with. A number of fans on Twitter saying that they uh, saw a good many Instagram videos on Sunday night of Jake out having a good time and perhaps the team not too thrilled with uh, the way he was out partying. But look, I mean, look look at Zach Cassian in Edmonton right now, a guy who has grown up and and really slimmed down as well. I was looking at post-game video of Zach Cassian from after the Oilers win this evening. Couldn't even believe the guy I was looking at, really, in terms of the way he looked like an athlete relative to, uh, you know, a bit of a bruiser, uh, maybe a little on the schlubby side a little bit back in the day. Hey, who am I to judge? Certainly, uh, Zach Cassian was in much better shape than I was during his Canuck years, but uh, he looks like he's taking things seriously now, and the Canucks want that from Jake Vertanen as well. They want him to serious up and start putting his kind of teenage party days behind him and treat this as a serious profession. Act like a professional. Be a hockey-obsessed robot like Bo Horvat is. Look, that's kind of the personality that you have to have to be a star in this league when you certainly look at the young players on this Canucks roster that have been successful. That includes... Uh, you know, Brock Besser, Elias Pettersson, these are guys who have personality, but they all seem like they live and breathe the game. Uh, obviously, the Canucks were kind of, maybe, I don't know that they would admit this, but certainly seemed like they were influenced by where Jake Vertanen grew up when they drafted him. They wanted the the feel-good story of the local kid coming home to, to play well for the hometown team that he cheered for his whole life. There is another side of that, though. You are living as a pseudo-celebrity in the town where you grew up, it's hard not to let that go to your head, especially when you're 19, 20 years old. Now, obviously, Jake's a little older than that now, but he's not in an age where, I mean, look, I, I I wouldn't be taking, you know, my job seriously when I was his age. Obviously, he has a much more high-profile, high-pressure job than I did at the time. But it's hard when you are that age to kind of take on that kind of responsibility unless you have been groomed for that sort of thing your entire life the way a number of top 10 NHL pick prospects seem to be these days. And, of course, Jake was taken in the top 10, but he doesn't seem to have that mentality, unfortunately. Can he pick it up? Is it possible to acquire it? I mean, if Jake Vertanen turned into the player that Zach Cassian is now for Edmonton, I think everybody in this city would be very pleased with that. But he he's shown well, and I think he can be a very key piece if you want to run a third-line scoring line, a third line that has some upside. Jake Vertanen can be a big-time part of that. Uh you know, I think one of the best third lines that the Canucks can put together with their options at the moment I mean, Sven Berchi isn't here right now, but if he were, he would certainly be a guy that I would love to see the third line be Berchi, 
Goddett, two guys who have already had proven chemistry, and Jake Vertanen as the third option to round out that unit, whether or not that's uh, something that the Canucks are going to do. I mean, Josh Levo is also an intriguing option. He lined up on the second line with uh, Tanner Pearson and Bo Horvat earlier today, uh, but he's a guy who can play on either wing, and if you're not going to call up Berchi, then I guess Levo and Gaudet and Vertanen is also an intriguing option for the third line, though there's been talk as well that Levo might even find his way up to that first line replacing Brock Besser so that maybe uh, Bo Horvat and Brock Besser can recultivate some of the chemistry that they've had in the past. And speaking of Bo Horvat, of course, we all expect him to be named captain during tomorrow's opening ceremony. Still tickets available to that game, apparently. Yes, the home opener not sold out, and I would love to help you go see it. We all love a night out, whether it's going to see Bo Horvat be named captain of the Canucks, or maybe you don't live in the Vancouver area and you're listening to this from afar as a fan who follows the team from a distance and you just want to get a good deal on some concert tickets or another team in your area i would love to help you do either uh, because of course with the vivid seats rewards loyalty program you can attend the concert or game or show of your choice and earn credit towards your next live event vivid seats is the top source for tickets for all of the live events that you want to go to and you can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. It's called Vivid Seats Rewards. So go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app today. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program, and every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. You don't have to worry about getting fake tickets, getting left out in the cold. No, none of that. They guarantee it. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has everything you're looking for. So download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. Make a memory that will last a lifetime like seeing Bo Horvat rock the sea on his sweater for the very first time and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live events. Just enter promo code postseason at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Yes, postseason. The MLB playoffs are, of course, fully underway, but we are just getting started here in hockey. But the promo code, once again, postseason on the Vivid Seats app. And with Travis Green putting his lines into the shuffler already, something that I've touched on the last couple shows here, uh, this early in the season. Look, I don't want to make every episode of this show about Sven Berchi, but it seems hard not to take a bit of a victory lap here, whether you're a fan of Sven Berchi or Nikolai Goldobin, because this team cannot score through its first two games. And granted, that can change in a hurry. What's been the difference between the two teams that the Canucks have played relative to what the Canucks have done in those games? Well, for the Oilers, their stars showed up and scored, and that's why they won the game, and you could say the same thing for the Flames. The Canucks are not going to go through 80 games this season with Bo Horvat and Brock Besser and Elias Pettersson all not touching the score sheet. It's just not going to happen. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to... <laughs> 
take a victory lap too early here because these guys are going to show up. They are going to have good games, and I imagine they're probably going to have good games tomorrow night in the home opener. Going to be fired up for all sorts of reasons. Bo's going to be fired up wearing the C on his chest for the very first time. Elias and Brock and the rest of the forwards who maybe have struggled through the first couple games here. I'll include JT Miller in that group as well, even though he has looked very good. He just hasn't scored yet. These are guys who are going to be fired up to play on opening night. And again, as I mentioned earlier, they're going to be taking on a team that should be a little bit exhausted coming off of a very spirited overtime game against the Flames here this evening. So can we expect some goals in opening night? I would hope so. Should we expect some goals over the course of this homestand? Well, you're playing three teams that didn't make the playoffs last year. The Kings in particular, one of the worst teams in the entire NHL last season, and they really didn't change anything coming into this year at all. So I don't expect them to be particularly good over the course of the year, though. Of course, that Matthew Kachuk-Drew Doty feud did kind of push them to have a very good game uh, on this Tuesday night. Whether or not that's going to continue, no. Drew Doughty does not have a guy uh, who, who was on the Canucks to get him all fired up like that. Did you notice that I pronounced his name two different ways the both times that I said it? Just want to make sure that I get it right because I can never freaking remember how to say this guy's last name. Anyways, uh, it is hard not to take a victory lap because it's not just about the lines getting shuffled up in practice, which they did. Michael Furland, who has not looked good so far in the first two games, and that doesn't mean he's a bust of a signing because he did have a big-time health uh, issue in preseason. He missed a bunch of games with a stomach flu that caused him to lose all kinds of weight, and he was not feeling very good through the first week of preseason. So add that to the list of reasons why that Furland-Petterson-Besser line has been out of sorts over the course of the early going of this year and uh, never got to play with each other at all throughout the entirety of preseason. But when you're shuffling up the lines like that, this is exactly why, you know, uh, nobody is expecting Sven Berchi to be a game-breaker, to be a dominant offensive scoring threat. Uh, every time Berchi's name gets brought up, every time I tweet about why he should still be here, the response I get from a certain breed of fan in this city is, uh, yeah, you think really we're at a time when uh, Horvat and Besser and Pedersen aren't going great? Like, uh, you really think uh, Sven Berchi's going to step up and carry the load on this team? Actually, yes, I do think that because, yes, that is what depth scoring is for. You cannot expect your stars to carry you every single night. You need to have guys further down the lineup who can shoulder some of that load from time to time. It's not about Sven Berchi being a game-breaker who scores 82 goals this year and carries the team night after night. It's about having more options, especially at a time when you feel like things are not going well on your top two lines, especially when you want to do the old Elaine Vigneault thing of putting all your cards in the shuffler and seeing what you come up with just throwing anything out there, trying to catch some sort of spark, some sort of chemistry that can propel your team uh, to find the back of the net and pick up a W at this time of year. Yes, you do need more depth options because that's been the number one thing, and I kind of went in on this a little bit yesterday. It is not a very good situation for this team when you want to lean towards shuffling the deck, and the only option that you feel comfortable with in that bottom six, you don't want to get Jake Vertanen out of the third line. I mean, 
being on the third line alone feels like a promotion for Jake. So who are you going to lift out of there? Well, it's not going to be Louis Erickson, who's not even playing. It certainly is not going to be a Tim Schaller or a Jay Beagle or a Tyler Mott. It's not going to be any of those guys. You need options that can find the back of the net. Sven Berchi is one of those guys. You're not going to move up Adam Gaudet either because at this time in his career when he's finding his footing as an NHL player, you want to leave him as a center so that he can become accustomed to that role. Look, playing center in the NHL is one of the hardest things to do in hockey. If this kid looks good at it, let him find his footing there. Do not change anything about what is going on for him at the moment. But then that just leaves Brandon Sutter, who had been a power play option for this team. We were talking yesterday a little bit about just the history of awful power plays that the Canucks have put out over the years. There was a time, yes, when Brandon Sutter was the trigger man for the Sedins on the Canucks' number one power play unit. Terrible. I mean, that like it didn't go well at all. Brandon Sutter has never been a scoring threat in his entire time here in Vancouver, as I mentioned earlier, he's not about to become that right now by sticking him up on the first line with you know Pedersen and Besser if you feel like you need to do something to get some sort of spark there. That's where guys like Goldobin, like Berchi, come in handy. Especially, look, I'll even make the case for Goldobin right now. It doesn't need to be Berchi necessarily. There's a lot of people within the analytics community. Daryl Keeping, in particular, went in-depth on this on Twitter earlier today, and I would recommend you uh, go check his timeline to see more on this. But he said, you know, it's not a small sample size. Pedersen and Goldobin played together last year for 350 minutes, and they played very well the entirety of that time. Two guys who are very smart in terms of dishing the puck, two guys who knew each other's tendencies almost right off the bat. And what's the problem been with this team at the moment? Well, the top line certainly does not seem to have figured out each other's tendencies at all. Even guys who played together last year, like Pedersen and Besser, not necessarily looking very good on that front right this second. So, it might help, in fact. This is when it looks extremely silly, in fact. When you put Adam Gaudet into the lineup as your third-line center and you use him in a scoring position, what do you expect him to do when he's playing with a Josh Levo and a Brandon Sutter or whatever the case may be on any given night? It's going to be Michael Furland come tomorrow, it looks like, anyways, from today's practice lines. He had tremendous chemistry with Sven Berchi. He did. Over the course of the preseason, those guys clicked quite a bit. Yes, Sven put up points, Gaudet put up points, and they did it together. Sven set up Gaudet, Gaudet set up Berchi. They knew where the other guy was, and they played very well together. Why would you break up that line when you are just searching for chemistry right now from anyone outside of that miller horvat Pearson line? You had it. You had it in the preseason. That was the one thing, the one found spark coming into the year, and they got rid of it coming into the actual season. It feels very silly. So when people want to point to Sven Berchi, it is simply the fact that this team, contrary to what Francesco Aquilini told Sadiar Shah and John Jang on the playbook last week, and contrary to what Jim Benning told the media last week, they do not, in fact, have enough scoring options. They do not have enough punch up front to be able to look at two skilled wingers and say, thanks, but no thanks. 
Do you really think Sven Berchi had a worse training camp than Louis Erickson? Do you really think even Nikolai Goldobin, who didn't score necessarily but made some fine passes and is putting in the effort certainly on the forecheck, if not the back check, he has improved his play away from the puck, whether people want to give him credit for that or not. Do you think he had a worse preseason or training camp than Louis Erickson? I certainly do not. If you don't want to put Louis Erickson into your lineup, if he's going to be a regular healthy scratch over the course of the entire season, then just pull the Band-Aid. Get rid of him. Send him to Utica because Sven Berchi can help this team right now and Nikolai Goldobin can do the same. This is a team that does not have the depth necessary to be able to look at two skilled players or even just one of those two guys and say, you know what, we're good on the skill front. We don't need any more of that. Don't worry about it. Uh, We can do without this guy. And maybe, I've heard the argument many, many times, Maybe this is all about conditioning, about letting Berchi get his head right and come back up when he's feeling better and doesn't have any tentativeness to his game. That's the word that keeps coming up around him. Tentativeness, that they're worried that he's so concerned about getting another concussion that he's not playing the way that he otherwise did before concussion issues arose. It feels like spin to me. I never noticed this at all with Sven Berchi over the course of the preseason. What I did notice was a guy who had instant scoring chemistry with Adam Gaudet, a guy who has proven chemistry in the past with Bo Horvat, a guy who had proven chemistry to start the year last year with Elias Pettersson, is no longer on this team for reasons that uh, are beyond comprehension, to be perfectly honest. One last thing before we get out of here, of course, uh, the rumors, the persistent, dogged rumors that are really coming directly from this Canucks fan base and nowhere else that, of course, Brandon Sutter just has to find a new home with the Pittsburgh Penguins continue to persist. I, I mentioned on yesterday's show, I'll say it again, Jim Rutherford had Brandon Sutter. He drafted him and he had him on his team with two different organizations and traded him twice. So yes, while he did draft Brandon Sutter and welcome him into the NHL as an 18-year-old rookie, it is safe to say he is seen enough and is not a fan. If he didn't want him in the prime of his athletic career in his early 20s, he certainly will not want him now when he's beaten up and broken down and has, you know, just uh, had the injuries that he has suffered over the course of his Vancouver career. I know that people want this to happen because it would make things so much easier for the Canucks to get out from under this contract, one of the many contracts that this team has to get out from under from. It's not going to happen, folks. It just will not. Uh, I don't know what the solution is. I wish it was any other team suffering this sort of injury-plagued uh, awfulness to their center depth because maybe you could find a case that someone would be willing to take Brandon Sutter, the only guy in the NHL who I would say has zero interest in acquiring him, is Jim Rutherford, no matter what his roster looks like at the moment. That's it for today's show. We'll be back tomorrow afternoon ahead of the home opener. Yes, the Vancouver Canucks hosting the LA Kings puck drop set for some time around probably 7.15 if I had to guess, giving the captaincy ceremony is set for 7.05 at the moment. 
We will preview that game tomorrow afternoon for you. It's the LA Kings in town for the home opener. Until then, I'm Justin Morissette, and you've been Locked On the Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.